What is the greatest use of our life? What is the best use of our life? My son is 18 and he's about to go into college and uh, this, this seems to be the time when we most ask that question and we ask it in, the, in, in relative to career. But the purpose of life is not relative to career because you start at 25, finish around 65 and then you're not that anymore. The, the purpose of your life has to be much beyond that, greater than that. And then when you take a guy like Joshua, who's picked in his very youth and then wraps up in chapter 24 when he's 110 years old and he dies and he's laid to rest. You take a man 110 years old and he's got one thing to say about the purpose of life. You want to highlight that. You want to stand up and listen to that. Are you with me? When one person like that takes the entire, his entire life and figures out one thing for sure, and he says it, this is it. This is the purpose of life. You want to stop and take note of that. What is the use of a life? What do we need the most to live that way so that we uh, fulfill the purpose in your life? And I submit to you this morning that it is courage. It is courage. God said to Joshua, only be bold and courageous. That's been the theme. The theme of the study of the book of Joshua is not a historical angle, it has not been a theological angle, but has been a, uh, a, an inspirational angle to understand from this incredible man of God, a leader from the Bible, what is courage and boldness mean. I submit to you that it is courage. Courage is what you need to fulfill the purpose of your life. Not so much money, not so much strength that if you were strong you'd be able to fulfill the purposes of your life. Not so much the opportunities that life would afford you, that if you had these opportunities, some people do, some people don't, and therefore they are able to fill their, fulfill their purpose in life. No, not even breeding. Not even breeding. South Indian, North Indian, from this side of the world, that side of the world, cold climate, hot climate, forget it. Not even breeding. Not even the way your uh, mother and brought, father brought you up. Not even nurture or nature. <coughs> what you need in order to fulfill your purpose in life, is courage. Courage is what gets you there. And Joshua gets to the end of his life, and he appeals to people. He appeals to the entire nation, calls them back over and over again, and then dismisses them, calls them, and he says that the greatest use of your life, the greatest use of your life, you need courage. You need courage to fulfill that. Everybody with me so far? Okay, I hope that you're online with me in uh, Dwarka, Bangalore, wherever you are. And I hope that through the day, if you are joining us, that God will bless you as well. May the Lord bless you and give you much uh, grace today. Chapters 10 to chapter 23, like I said, was Joshua's outworking or the play out of the purpose of his life or the agenda of his life, which was to get Israel their land. So he is the one who's going to bring them over the Jordan. And he was going to be part of some amazing things that God did. And once he got them over, the goal was, Joshua, you're going to get the land divided up, give it to everybody, die. Okay, very clear instruction, very practical. That was Joshua's call. Moses could have done that, but Moses disobeyed in the wilderness and God moved Moses out of that story. God gave it to younger generation, to the next generation. God gave it to Joshua. Joshua was faithful all the days of his life, all the days of the, the team that worked with Joshua, the Israel served God. So he set in place such a beautiful leadership and a second line of leadership that the nation of Israel actually took his leadership very seriously. One incredible man of God. 
So what you have from chapter 10 right through to chapter 23, uh, 20, 23 is Joshua plundering through the land. God is with him, giving him conquest, taking over lands, uh, taking over peoples, the allotment and the distribution of the lands. Then you've got the final report where Joshua gets his own land and he, and he, and he gets you know, feedback and data that everybody's got their lands. Then there's 48 cities or townships that are given to the Levites. I'm just, I'm just going over 10 to 23, okay? Uh, uh, distribution of 48 Levitical towns to the Levites. And then in the middle of all of that, you also have the cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. You have one or two cities here and there that if you accidentally murdered somebody, if you accidentally did something wrong, you could run to that place and while you're in that city, nobody could touch you because you get at least enough time at the gates of the city where the judges are, where the courts are, to have a proper hearing. To have a proper trial. So God set in place these things for his people so that even though they had done something horrific or they had done something by mistake, there was a, there was a margin for, for, uh, uh, for trial and for, for a chance to uh, have a hearing and for a chance for a restoration. And once they cleared them, they could go back. That's in chapter 20. Then in chapter 21, you have a summary of God's faithfulness with those beautiful verses that says, And God fulfilled everything, every promise to his people. And God fulfilled every promise to his people. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. If others also could take the courage to come forward, it will be great. Because when new people are coming, it shouldn't be that they should come all the way to the front. It's very embarrassing. Okay, so be kind one to another, tender-hearted, and sit in front. That's what the verse says. Yeah. Okay, so that's the summary in chapters 21. Joshua then gives a vote of thanks. He gives a vote of thanks to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Do you remember by any chance that these two and a half tribes, Joshua said to them, you will not take your land until your brothers are settled. Do you remember that? You will not take your land. So these guys stood with Joshua, fought with Joshua, went ahead of Joshua, did all the work that was required, and once everybody else was settled, <coughs> Then they came in and then they took over the land. So Joshua was very grateful. Joshua highlights their, uh, their ministry, highlights their work, their faithfulness, their keeping his charge, their faith and endurance, their finishing the course. Finally, Joshua blesses all of them and he sends them back home. And he gives his farewell address in Joshua chapter 23 all the way from chapter verse 1 to verse 16. 16 verses in the second last chapter, he gives his last words, his last words to the nation of Israel. And finally, again, like typical of Joshua and his ministry, in chapter 24, the entire chapter, he renews the covenant. He renews a covenant. And that is what I want us to look at. That's what I want us to uh, kind of dive into today. But just one verse, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. You should know this by heart. Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want, you to I want to challenge you that if you've seen that on the wall and a wall hanging, take it off. Take it off. Put a whiteboard there and rewrite it in handwriting and sign it. Because this was not a lovely verse from scripture. This was a covenant. And if you read that verse where Joshua made it a covenant, when he finally made it a covenant in Shechem, that's the geography where the notary public was, okay? he made it a covenant and that covenant was then made into an ordinance and a statue. 
So it was made into a law and it was made into a lifestyle. It was made into a law and it was, it was made by law that this is what the nation of Israel is going to do. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Just like the Gibeonites came to the thing and it, although it was deception, they came to the Israelites and said, we are your servants, we will serve you. In the same way, here we are making an ordinance that we will serve the Lord. You know, sometimes when you make a commitment of that sort, when you decide the purpose of your life, it's often good to put it as a purpose statement or make it the rule of your life. Don't make it the suggestion of your life. Are you with me? Don't make it the suggestion of your life. Don't make it an idea. Don't make it something that you would like to do and contribute towards that. Come on, come, come, come on in. You're welcome. See, this is what I was talking about. We must have seats at the back to allow our guests so that, and so the new people, uh, the older people, the ones who you know are part of the furniture, you should come sit in front so I can spit on you. <laughs> Did I say spit? I mean spray. It's different. Are you with me? Are you with me? When you make such important decisions in life, it's often good to sign it in blood, so to speak, to make a law out of it. So Joshua takes this so seriously that this commitment, this altar call, this last meeting he has with the nation of Israel, he says, come on, before we sing, abide with me. Before we sing, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is that? What is that song they always sing? I come, I come. Remember that one? Yeah. Just, just, just as I am. Just as I come. I, sometimes I just want to get up and go because that song is playing. But... You make a ceremony of it. You make a mark of it. You mark the day. That's why we have covenants even in our church. We have the membership covenant, the maturity covenant, the ministry covenant, the mission covenant, and the come on time covenant. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's, that's not there. So that's what I want us to look at for just, a few, for just a few minutes. It's not going to be long. So chapters 24 is where you'll find this covenant. So Joshua's finished up everything, and he says, let's close with... What's our life about? Who are we here to serve? Who's our life going to be? Because a leader that has served God's purposes also wants to ensure that his people serve even after he's gone. Did you hear me? A father who has served God's purposes also wants to ensure that his children serve after he's gone. This is the father's heart. A leader's heart. A pastor wants to ensure that even after he's gone, his church still serves God's purposes. A spiritual leader will always want that the people will go on. So he makes them make a covenant. He makes them make a promise. Like a father on a deathbed says, promise me this one thing. And Joshua makes that promise with the people of Israel. Verse 13, let's start a little further back, verse 13. So verse 12, 1 to 12, Joshua recounts the wonderful works that God has done for his people. He goes over that at Shechem and he says, this is what we're going to do. I want to give you the underground. I want to give you the base, base for why you should serve God. Then in verse 13, he says, I have given you a land. If you have a Bible, great. If you don't have a Bible, just listen, okay? I'm going to be clear enough. I have given you a land for which you did not labor. For which you did not labor. God, what have you given me? You've given me a land. You've given me blessings that I don't deserve. I'm sitting here with houses and cars, with money and opportunities, with careers that I really don't, I didn't work for it. It was given to me. And that's a statement of humility because you realize that a bulk of the percentage of what you have in your life was just given to you. 
You were just born into it. You could have been born as, was sh- as, as, as uh, the cobbler's kid on the side of the street. You could have been running around barefoot and that would have been your lot, life's lot. And then we look at our children, we want to give them the very best. We want to start by giving them the very best. And we want them to be born with everything. But we need to understand that a lot of what we have was just downright given to us. And Joshua takes this back there and says, verse 13, he says, I want you to remember that God is saying, I have given you land for which you did not labor. These guys know what he's talking about. It's not a joke. They crossed over the Jordan. They came over here and almost every fight, they just had to go pick up the pieces. If you remember the last few sermons, almost every fight, Joshua, stand down. It's not your fight. Remember that one? Go be strong. Okay, let's do that. Go around six times. Okay, seven times the walls fall. Take the city. Done. AI, get thrashed. Come back. Oh, what happened? Go back again. Clean up. Go back. Akan, get out. Clean up. Go back. Thrash them. Take the city. Take the city, take this land, take the city. I have given you the city. I have given you the city. I have given it. God is now saying, remember, I gave you cities you didn't even fight for. I gave you life you didn't pay for. I gave you opportunities that you didn't work for. Cities which you did not build and you dwell in them now. Vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, but today you're getting that. And we sit on the shoulders of giants we live off the faithfulness of our parents. We have the blessing and the protection of God because our father and mother, aunties and uncles and others in the church are praying for us and they're invested in us. And we enjoy the blessings, benefits that were just given to us and we did not pay for it. Humility says, Lord, what can I give you back? What can I get you back how can i repay this now therefore verse 14 now therefore fear the lord serve him in sincerity and truth put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side serve the lord let's do that again verse 14 now therefore wherefore because you've been given houses that you did not lands that you did not vineyards and that you did not you getting that because you have been gifted and graced out. Before, because you've been blessed beyond measure. Therefore, put away the gods, small g, put away the gods which your father served on the other side. Other side of the Jordan, the previous side, in Egypt. Okay, In Egypt, when you were there on the other side, Your fathers turned to other gods and they served other gods. Put away those gods. And he says two things. Fear the Lord. And number two, serve the Lord. Serves the Lord. I don't know if Joshua was being being, um, sarcastic here. I doubt it. But he did say this word. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. I doubt he meant that. I think he was speaking tongue in cheek. But he said to the people of Israel, he says, if it seems like a bad thing, to serve the Lord, if it seems evil to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Because I'm not going to force you. Just because I'm your leader and I got you across the Jordan and we gifted you with everything and I made sure that you got your land and got your power of attorney and wrote your names and got the allotment of all your DD and SFS flats and everybody's now settled. Just because you're settled and blessed, 
I'm not going to force you to still serve God. That's a choice you're going to have to make. Because it comes from gratitude, not from guilt. Serving the Lord comes from gratitude, not from guilt. So he says, if it seems evil to you, if it seems something wrong to you, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But you've got to choose and you've got to choose today. <coughs> choose today whom you will serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods of your fathers who served on the other side, or whether you're going to serve uh, and the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwelled, and all those gods and goddesses you picked up. But as for me, Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Lord is always capital L-O-R-D, which is Jehovah God, the one and only true and living God, the God of the universe, the God who made us, the God who sustains us. But as for me and my house, you will serve the Lord. There comes a time, even after all that God has done for everybody, and even though you think everybody is with you, there comes a time where you have to consider that maybe you have to stop, step outside, step aside, step apart, stand out, and maybe you will be the only one who makes the choice to serve God, serve God's purposes. Maybe you're the only one in your office that stands for God, the God of heaven. Maybe the only one in your family that loves God and son stands for his purposes. Maybe the only one who wants to do what God says with regard to your career or with regard to your marriage. Maybe you're the only one in all the people who know you and love you and are your friends and relatives that you have to step aside and you have to stand strong. And in our country, that's not a new and uncommon thing. I grew up almost every year of my life, I was the only believer in my class. And I was ridiculed and I, was, and I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn what it means to stand alone. I didn't even know what spiritual fellowship means, meant. In our whole youth group, there was only three young people. And those two were not in my school. So when I was back in school, I was absolutely all alone. In fact, in my previous class, there was no believers. In the next class, there was no believers. I even moved to a Christian school. And even in the Christian school, there was no one who actually honored God. And you were ridiculed for your values, ridiculed for what you're about, ridiculed for the fact that you won't use language, ridiculed for the fact that you won't joke about certain things, that you won't laugh about certain things, ridiculed for the fact that you won't join in in making fun of others, ridiculed for the fact that you will not show inequality with regard to prestige and privilege. And no matter what, you have to take that stand and you have to stand alone. That's why I say the purposes of God require courage, not money, not opportunity, not company not anything else not even reading not even guts courage courage but as for me and my even at this moment Joshua saying if all of you turn your back me and my family we're going to serve the Lord we're going to serve the Lord this is interesting so they go into a bit of a discussion the whole nation I don't know how the whole nation turns around and says okay break up in small groups we're going to discuss this I don't know how they do that but verse 16 that's what they did and they come back to Joshua and say, far be it from us, we should forsake the Lord. What language, man. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You know what they're trying to say? We turn and serve other gods? That's not us. That's not. Your fathers are like that. Your grandfathers are like that. Your great But us, no, no. Far be it from us to be those kind of people that will turn and serve other. Oh, come on. We just fool ourselves. We just fool ourselves. We don't even know the little God and goddesses that are in our lives. We aren't even aware when they sneak in and they take the throne. 
Just because we don't find ourselves bowing before physical idols, it doesn't mean we don't have emotional gods, spiritual gods, financial gods. Serve those gods. Far be it from us that we should forsake the living God, for the Lord our God is He who brought us out and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, who did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the ways that we went and among the peoples through whom we passed. <coughs> Sounds good, huh? Sounds good. You're like, they're getting there. They're getting this. They're getting it. They're going, they're going to be... And, and, and you think that Joshua's like, yes, yes, got it, yes, got it. Said, far be it from us to be there after all that he's done. Tack, 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 tack. How can we not serve God? And then Joshua responds in verse 19 says, you cannot serve God. Khatam. Sorry. It's not going to happen. And everybody's like, what? Did you... Did there's a few thousands of us here. There's just one of you. We all just, you know, small groups, discussion. We just discussed and we came back to you saying, far be it from us and, and, and the whole thing. And, we, and, then, and you say, we can't serve God. No, you can't serve God. Joshua was not easily fooled. And Joshua wanted to push this because you can't just say that you want to serve God. I want you to make a covenant. I want you to make a covenant. He says, you can't serve God. Why? Because he's a holy God, verse 19. And he's a jealous God. And he's a, he's a God who's not going to forgive your... Listen to very carefully to this, okay? When people come quickly, show them to their seats. Or if we can clear up some of the seats here so that uh, nobody feels uh, unwelcome. No, you cannot serve God. Why? Because he's a holy God and he's a jealous God. And he's not going to forgive your transgressions if you come and decide to serve him and then you go back and serve your old gods again. If you do that, you're in big trouble because one thing he will not do is allow you to break covenant with him. One thing he takes very seriously is covenant. He's not holding you to your performance. He's holding you to your promise. Are you getting this? He's more bothered about your promise than he is about of your performance because if you fail he will cover for you that's what is the mercy seat of God the mercy seat of God is on top of the ark of the covenant and on top of the ark covenant you have the cherubims and all made out of wood there and Aaron's rod and you have the two tablets of stone the tablets of stone the law so you've got the law inside the inside the ark of the covenant and on top of that you have the mercy seat and the the high priest and the priest would come in and they would sprinkle the blood of the bulls and goats and all the sacrifices as a sacrifice for the sins of people and they would sprinkle it on the mercy seat so that wherever they had broken the law they had been they could be covered by mercy god has and has always wanted to cover you he's always wanted to cover your shame Whenever you run to him, even if he's angry with you when you run to him, he covers you so that nobody else gets to you and nobody gets to point a finger at you. God has never judged and never will. Even when he shot Adam and when Adam sinned and even when he cursed Adam, he missed Adam and cursed the ground under him. He missed Adam and cursed the ground. Never has God ever wanted to touch you for two reasons. Number one, you are the apple of his eye. God loves you and you are the apple of his eye. And number two, you are made in his image. He can't touch his image. 
He can't mar his image. He can't curse his image. And you are made in the image of God. Undeservingly, super privileged. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done you good. People decided in verse 24, no, 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 21, no, 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 we, we, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve God. We, we will, today we're making up our mind. We are serving the Lord. We will serve God. Everybody's a witness? Everybody's a witness? Verse 22? All right, everybody's a witness. Let's sign on this. Verse 23. Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods. Ah, that's what Joshua was after. That's what Joshua was after. So you want to make a commitment. You want to make a commitment. And you want to talk big about spiritual life. And you want to talk big about serving God. But all along back there, hidden in the tent, in your own life, back in your relationships, you have compromised agendas. You have compromised purposes. Are you with me? They had the gods in their tents. They had the gods in their... He says, go put away your gods first. Don't make a covenant with God. Don't make it sound like you are, you, that, that, you're, that you're amazing and that you're a great servant of God and that you, that you know, understand his purposes. Go fix your life first. Go fix your life. Go put away the gods which are among you. Joshua knew what was going on in their life. And then he says, incline your heart to the Lord your God. Incline your heart to the Lord your God. See, that's where the worship is. Whatever your heart is inclined towards, that's your God. That's where you worship. That's where your heart is. He says, therefore, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord your God. Verse 24, and the people said, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. The Lord our God we will serve, his voice we will obey. Verse 25 says, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. He made it a law. He made it an ordinance in Shechem, Dundale. Dundale. How was Joshua? It's a good book. Be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. The greatest boldness required is to stand out, to stand alone, to step up. It takes courage to let go of the gods from the other side of the river. Remember your fathers? Remember the gods that they collected? The gods that they brought with them over the river? Get rid of those gods. Get rid of the priorities that were from your previous life. Get rid of the priorities and the things that you worship, that your heart was inclined towards from the life beyond the river. Beyond the river. That's interesting. So you had Egypt and then you had where they are, Canaan. And in the middle you had the river, the Jordan. And what happened at the river? The crossing. There was the crossing. There's life before the cross and there's life after the cross. The thing between Egypt and Canaan was the river. And there was a crossing. The Bible says in John chapter 5 verse 24, Verily, verily, I tell you, 
Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Say it again. Very, very, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Not will have. Has eternal life and will not be judged. Pakashua. But has crossed over from death to life. Between Egypt and Canaan stands the cross. And that crossing is when you put your faith in him, you have also crossed over from death to life. Two things I want to make sure here. Once you understand that there is a pre-cross life and there is a post-cross life. And what is in the pre-cross life, the inclinations of the heart need to be put away before you can really commit to a post-cross life. We have gods we worship before. We had gods we worshipped before. We had inclinations of the heart that we served before. We cannot afford to have multiple and conflicting purposes. I want to serve the Lord. Joshua says, no, you can't. Why, Joshua? Well, you go back and put away those gods. So some of us have to stop and ask, by any chance, have we experienced all the goodness of God, come into the promised land, received of God's great promises, and we're still holding on to the gods from the previous life. What are those gods? Well, Pastor Jeremy, I don't worship idols. Well, I'm not talking about those idols. What are the idols you worship? There's American idol. <laughs> there's time, there's, uh, there's uh, lights, there's prizes, there's money. For Indians, our God is security. That, that could mean a government job. <laughs> that could be the God that your little small g God that your parents make you worship ever since you're five years. Security. Once you get a government job, then you are absolutely. Security could be that. And the security could be wrapped up in a job. Security wrapped up in a career. Security could be wrapped up in, a, in the idea of marriage. Once I get married, I will be. Once I get married. And that becomes your God. And then you don't understand, you don't understand that God has called you complete. God has called you complete. When he called you, he didn't call you with your husband or wife. He called you alone. He called you complete. And the two shall be one flesh. There's two shall be one flesh. Not two halves shall become one whole. God wants you to understand you are complete. As a woman you are complete. As a man you are complete. And there is nothing else you need on the face of this earth that you need to complete yourself. We say Adam was half and when he, when he met Eve then he was complete. No he wasn't. He was complete on his own. And his wife was complete on her own. And they both were made in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the image of God, he, was, he made them. And made them separate to, to, to directly relate to God completely. The truth that after he got Eve, he was finished, that's another point. But God wants us to understand and sometimes that becomes a God or a goddess. Are you with me? For some it's about this big admission. For some it's about a green card. I don't know how green, but you know. For some it's about just something that they want to become or something they want to get or a place they want to be or just happiness. Happiness could be your God. 
the high the next high could be your god i'm seriously challenging you this morning what is the god from that other side of the river that you have brought along that you are trying to hide in your bag while you claim to worship and serve god's purposes and joshua says to you no you can't do that no you can't why because god is a jealous god and he will not share his glory with no man and we have to stop and think about if my passion and purity of purpose is single is singular give me one pure and holy passion give me one singular obsession one majestic obsession and god wants you to be so totally and completely enthused by god by himself by his purposes for your life that nothing else takes precedence i'm going to say it again until you hear me god wants your attention and love and affection so completely that nothing else comes close you can't be worshiping god and suddenly yes yes lord you can't be looking at other things you can't be trying to pick up on other joys in life lord can i have you and her also lord can i have you and that job or that situation or this pleasure also don't hide gods in your tent don't hide gods in your tent we have gods we worship that means we serve their purposes we cannot afford to have multiple and conflicting purposes here's what the bible says romans chapter 12 verse 1 i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your say it loudly if you know it to present your bodies your bodies because your body is one of the biggest gods we highlight it we pierce it we skin it we we polish it we expand it we contract it we do everything with our bodies we dress for it we do absolutely everything for our based on our bodies our intellect is is, is managed based on our bodies our emotions is managed how do you feel today i feel fat how do you feel today i feel great how do you feel i feel terrible and we dress based on how we feel or we dress to cover up how we feel and a lot of it has to do with i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercy of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that means no this body is not going to tell me how i feel anymore it's not going to tell me or tell the world who i am anymore this body is my vehicle to get from a to b while i fulfill the purposes of god when you get over yourself god is going to be able to use you mightily when you don't care who gets the credit god is going to be able to use you mightily when you get over who you are on earth god can make you who you are in heaven here on earth once you get over that you stop looking into the mirror and worshiping yourself you stop feeling sorry for yourself you stop feeling you know up and down and listening to your body listen i don't feel this i don't feel stop it it's just a robot it's a body that's been given to you for 80 years 100 years maximum god never valued it he's going to destroy it and send it back to dust what he died for is your spirit and your spirit starves while your body looks like it's having a party present your bodies as a living sacrifice so it's living but it's dead to the world it's dead to me it's not a priority living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god why this is your spiritual worship 
This is your spiritual worship, spiritual service. Your body is your spiritual service. Oh, no, no, no. I thought spiritual, you know, spiritual is in the spirit. And no, your body is your spiritual worship. Your body must serve. Your body must, uh, must uh, uh, submit. Your body must be available. Your body must be present. Intentions don't get you very far. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the <coughs> renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and perfect, acceptable will of God. One more verse that says, Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a price, high price for. Let me repeat that. It's a message version of 1 Corinthians 6.20. Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for. So let people see God in and through your body. Let people see God in and through your body. Today as we come to the end of Joshua, I appeal to you just as Joshua appealed to his people there. I appeal to you to stop and consider a covenant with God where you say my body is for God's work. My body is for God's work. Whom will you serve this day? Even if all of you disappear, I will still serve the Lord. Me and my family will still serve the Lord. Who's going to take that covenant? Who's going to make that step? We need fathers to step up and say, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Even if the children go their separate way, even if the spouse doesn't submit, the fathers are to stop, take charge and say, we will serve the Lord. There is a we in leadership. And that leadership is taken very seriously by God. And when the leader of the, of the house, the leader of the home, the shepherd of the home does not take spiritual authority seriously, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. When the leader in the home is not able to say, I don't care what's going on around here. As for me and my house, this is what is going to be. In this house, this is what's going to be important. In this house, this is what's going to, uh, how life is going to be. These are the words that are not going to be used in this house. These are the gods that are not going to be worshipped in this house. In this house, Jesus will be adored. Jesus will be exalted. And this and that will not be in this house. Somebody has to take that stand. And fathers, it is your job. Mothers, do it. Because you don't. Sometimes children are more spiritual than their parents. What a sad day. A sad home. But when fathers take the word and say, No, Jesus is God of this home and I'll see to it that that happens. That's when all angels stand to attend and say, Keep a watch on that guy. Because God's going to get busy in this home. I'm not talking about leadership in terms of boss. I'm not talking about leadership in terms of uh, initiative. A lot of times the wife, a lot of times some other children, they take initiative in the songs. They may be prayerful. We're not saying that the father has to be all spiritual and prayerful and he has to be the one that is, you know, kind of one foot in heaven type of thing. We're just saying that he's the one who makes the covenant and says, He's the one that says, you can all go if it seems right to you to serve the other gods. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anybody up for that? Any fathers up for that? Any, anyone up for making a covenant with God?
Anyone up for seeing to it that you go back home and you ask God, Lord, over the next 40 days as you are, as you are searching your soul for a spiritual reboot, this year as we're searching your soul for a, for, a, for a spiritual renewal, ask God, are there any gods in my life from across the river? Get rid of those gods. Put away those gods from among you. And I like these words, incline your heart to the God of heaven. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed, take a moment to be quiet in God's presence. And what all you have learned from the book of Joshua, what all you've learned today, take it to God in prayer and let, make, and let God seal it. Let it make him, help you make it the rule of your life.